If you like listening to Inglorious Trexperts, you'll love watching us. Really? Wait, how? I, guess, I guess you will. I guess you will. But how, how can one do that, Mark? Now you can download the free Electric Now app featuring video podcasts of The Inglorious Trexperts, The 430 Movie, Best Movies Never Made, and tons of free TV, movies, and more. You're saying it's so all, all free? All free? I'm saying it's free. 100% no free. Page, 100%. There's no Patreon. There's no premium fees. There's no electronic frontier. Well, there's no All excuse there is, not to get it then. There's no excuse not to. That's what I'm saying. So download the Electric Now app today and start watching us right now. Need to make a call? Look for a police call box. That's where you'll find Two on Who, the new Doctor Who podcast from Electric Surge. Two on Who is available wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're a fan of the 430 movie, you'll love Best Movies Never Made, hosted by myself, Josh Miller. And Steven Scarlatta. Where we explore some of the greatest movies never made, like E.T. 2. Johnny Quest. Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian. And Halloween 3D. New episodes available every other Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to the Rebel and the Rogue podcast. It is a Star Wars, nothing but Star Wars podcast. If you don't like Star Wars, I don't know what you're doing here, but welcome anyway. Hey, and to my right screen is my co-pilot. What up, Jason Tobias? What's up? You know you're in the right place if you like that jingle and Star Wars. So if not, just leave now. Get out, know, get out right? quick, get well out leave. early, because we're going to go in deep. We're going to go in and have a good time. Take that how you want. There are a lot of innuendos there, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, who I do we like got today? I, I know you do, Victoria. I know you do. Uh, <laughs> who do we got today, Victoria? Who, who's who's oh, joining us? Who is joining us today is my good buddy and friend, the Geek Gatsby MC himself, Bernie Bregman. Sound effects. Burr, 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 burr. What's going on, guys? Uh, I'll start with a hot take. The Last Jedi was not trash. Hey! Oh! oh! He went, in, he went in quick. He went in quick. Mike oh, dropped. he dropped it. Pin drop. <laughs> he pin dropped it. This He's mic's too expensive at... to drop. True. <laughs> yeah, social distancing on the mics. Social right? distancing. Yeah. So, Bernie, I mean, uh, you're coming out of the gates hot, man. You're coming out guns blazing. Last Jedi was not crap. <laughs> if you want to dive into that, we can go there. Or you can just give us some background on who you are, you know, to tell the folks out there what you do. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll start with the background. We can, if we even get to Last Jedi, it's fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but which actually is my, my true opinion on the film. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Um, but uh, uh, I, I, can, I can hear my card for uh, entering Scum and Villainy getting revoked right now. Oh, uh, man. Hollywood Boulevard. They're yanking yeah, it on you. Exactly. Oh, JC is a staunch hater of TLJ. Anyway. That's true. Um, let's see. My background. Uh, I don't even know where to begin, man. Uh, my nerd card is uh, probably as as well traveled as anybody's uh, as as a foreign dignitary's visa would be. Um, I <laughs> it look not not many people who uh, who want to tout their nerd cred can say that they have been an international laser tag world champion. Um, wow. But I can say that. I can say that. what? Yes. you never told me this. I don't, it's not a, you know, it's not relevant to most conversation right now, but, um, uh, and I haven't competed in maybe two or three years at this point, but, 
Um, but no, since 1995, uh, I have competed in uh, UltraZone laser tag. Uh, I've occasionally dropped into tournaments on other systems, but I think UltraZone is far superior. Um, and Zone oh. Systems exists around the world. It was uh, started in Australia. And uh, I, you get a call sign, kind of like pilots, like Maverick and stuff. Um, and my call sign was Skywalker, which is what I chose. Oh. I was, uh, oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And actually, uh, my first interaction with Mark Hamill, um, he, uh, is a frequent shopper. Uh, gosh, I don't want to give this away to stalkers, but at a, at a, at a particular <laughs> comic book shop out here, he goes, he goes to Heidi O in uh, Santa Monica. Um, oh. and my friend, uh, Lori worked there. And would would tell him whenever he came. Oh my! I could you know because even though Star Wars was huge, you know, in the early mid '90s, and there wasn't revival yet or anything, it kind of had tapered off, and we just had the the books by Del Rey and all that. Um, and uh, she told him, "Hey, I've got this friend. He plays laser tag. He's Skywalker. And I loves you, et cetera, et cetera." Um, and then uh, I met him one day, and and he said, "Oh, you're the Skywalker guy." Um, and so um, he's somewhere in in my bookshelves one of these things uh is uh, an autographed star wars comic um that says uh for one skywalker from another force fully yours dude, dude how did it feel dude. to have luke skywalker call you the skywalker guy this is pretty good it's pretty <laughs> yeah. good right? yeah um no that was uh that was a lot of fun he's a very great and gracious guy um, and, uh, I haven't got, I've, I've gotten to kind of tangentially work with, on projects that he's been involved in. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still, uh, still working for that, uh, direct interaction work relationship, but, uh, one step at a time. Yeah. So break it down for us. Like you've been heavily involved in the geek and nerd community for a long time. Tell us how. Well, so conventions are, it's, it's so funny how, you know, foreshadowing my life came full circle. When I was in high school, I did, um, I forget what it had to have been. I know, I know it was an English class. I had to do a report. Um, and I did a report on anime expo. I wasn't into anime at the time, but my uh, really good friend, Dio, we actually wrote a comic book in high school. He's an incredible artist. And, um, uh, he went to anime expo even back in the nineties. And, uh, when he would tell me about it, I just, I was enamored by this idea that everyone that's so passionate about this stuff, came together and did it. And, and mind you, this is like AOL internet and like, you know, 14, four modems and stuff. Um, so we didn't really get all the information from everywhere and, and understand uh, that there were, you know, hundreds of thousands of people just like us. We just, you know, the four of us that love Star Wars met in the quad during, you know, recess. Right. So, mm. um, and we all joined the AV tech crew, even though I didn't know Jack about sound systems. Um, but that's where the Star Wars nerds were. That's where I wanted to be. Um, anyway, so I did this report on AX and, and so I went to AX, um, to, to be able to write about it and I followed Dio around and, and kind of, you know, I was like, oh, this is, this is really kind of neat. Um, and I was, uh, I was big into Rocky Horror at the time. Um, I, I, I ran the Rocky Horror cast at the New Art Theater and performed in it for over a decade. Um, and there were Rocky Horror cons that were like, I can't describe, people think that Dragon Con is a decadent convention. Dragon Con doesn't have squat on rocky horror con uh <laughs> by the way can, can i swear do we care about swearing yes. Go ahead. I, Go for it. I can say shit great yep. um i could even do george carlin's seven dirty words but anyway um so rocky horror cons are wacky and i did that for years and as i was kind of winding down on rocky horror um uh the uh my um uh, my girlfriend at the time uh, was a costume designer and she wanted to kind of work on promoting her business and cosplay was starting to boom uh, in the, you know, late aughts, if you will. Um, and so we start, yes, the, uh, the zero zeros, 
Um, <laughs> and so maybe around uh, 2007, eight, we did a couple of horror conventions um, and then uh, went to our first uh, San Diego Comic-Con and we're like, oh, wow, these are our people. Okay, this is cool. Um, and, and I just came in as a fan, but then the same stuff that I did in, in, you know, Rocky Horror, I organized conventions. I was the, you know, like a traveling host and stuff like that. And, I'm like, and, and, you know, we would go, we watched like the costume contest and then some of the paneling and, you know, she was like, you should really, you should be hosting this stuff. And I'm like, well, I don't know anybody. I don't know how, but you know, let's, uh, let's see what we can do. And here we are now I throw giant nerd parties, uh, all over the country and, um, throw the biggest stuff at, at San Diego. Um, and we just did the, the virtual con that you were a part of. Um, and, uh, you know, constantly finding new ways to uh, connect and, and entertain and um, be a part of this world, you know. Awesome, man. Bernie, I mean, you've obviously got a history with this coming, like you, you've even name dropped, you know, AOL 95. I mean, I'm sure Yahoo Messenger was even part of that process, like going all the way back. I still have nightmares of the dial-up sounds. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know. It <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah. Right. I'm having PTSD with this. Or somebody picks up the phone, you're just like, oh, God, I'm offline. Now. That's the closest I'm ever uh, going to feel to being Michael Winslow, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, coming from where you've been to where we are now, what would you say are some of the challenges of even kind of wrangling? I mean, you said you, when you segued into becoming the host and now setting up bigger parties and going into, like, obviously bigger venues, what were some of the challenges you faced, like, coming through that? Because, again, you said, it was smaller, but then you started to meet this crowd that grew and there was roughly a hundred thousand people who were just like you and just like anything. If you like something, there's other people that like what you like. So how did you, you know, right? Like I, you know, in high school, I, I was, it's funny cause we're on, we're doing a star Wars podcast, but in high school I was like the star Wars guy. Like if anyone wanted to know something about star Wars, I was the person that they came to. I read all the books, um, you know, the character guides, comics, uh, you know, I could tell you who Cade Skywalker was. Right. So yeah. like, you know, that's, and that's like a pretty, uh, uh, out there name drop. Um, but, uh, you know, and everyone gave me all the little tchotchkes and stuff for every gift giving occasion. I have more star Wars ornaments than I care to count. Uh, I've given most of them away actually. Um, but, um, you know, and then I, and then I step into this much larger world and, and I am far from the most knowledgeable star Wars fan. There are some, some truly, uh, academic historians in the field of star Wars. Um, and you know, and, and it was really cool to, to understand that there was this bigger world, right. To go from a big fish in a small pond to a small fish in a much bigger pond. Uh, it's, it's not actually intimidating. It's reassuring, right? Because mm -hmm. you, know, you can feel, uh, ostracized and isolated. Um, and, and then you, and I think a lot of people go through that awakening. I think that's actually the biggest draw to people to, uh, the convention circuit and, uh, these different meetups and things like that. And like fan groups and stuff, uh, avoid the toxic ones. Um, but mm -hmm. I think it's, it's that inclusion and that, um, that sense of belonging that is, is at the core of what everyone loves about being a part of this and doing this, uh, is, is, Hey, there's a place where there are people that are just like me. And mm -hmm. I've met so many amazing people relatively similar to me. And that's awesome. Um, so, you know, that was, that was a cool awakening. And then the challenges really it's um, there's so much, there is, there's so much to take in. There's so much content. Uh, there's so much analysis. 
Uh, there's so many different groups. Where do you fit in? You try a couple of groups, maybe some work out and some don't, who knows? There's all that stuff. And then as a, as a, you know, event producer and, and promoter and a host, I always want to be as in touch as I possibly can. And that is a, a moving goalpost. You can never, you, you actually, it is impossible to, to get to what the goal is. All you can do is keep trying to get close because it's always evolving. And, and so you have to change your approach and your trajectories uh, on various things and be open to that. You can't get locked into like, this is exactly what I do this is the only thing. This is the only way, like these are the only people like you can't do that. Like you have to be adaptable and understand that, you know, the, the, the winds change. Right. And, and then mm -hmm. people are going a different direction. So that's, that's the biggest challenge along with just breaking through the noise. There's, there's so much of it and there's, um, whether it's uh, being not a not a giant corporate entity, a la a hot topic, a sci-fi, an HBO, you know those kind of people, but <clears throat> you know, uh, but also not being not not wanting to, but wanting to feel connected to that and be associated with that level, um, and not not with uh, people that say they're doing a meetup and it's like you know a bunch of people show up to some crappy bar but they're all wearing Star Wars shirts, you know. Like I, I definitely believe in, in having uh, high standards and, and um, you know, really executing something thoughtful uh, that, that takes time and effort. Like I'm not about just, hey, let's all go meet at the park and talk Star Wars. Like, or, you know, whatever it is. I, I want my, my, my events, I, I want them to be uh, very thoughtful um, and really put you into, what I've become enamored with is uh, the idea of immersion. Um, and even though we don't do like 100% immersion, uh, you definitely walk into one of our, one of our events and know that you're home. Um, and that's, that's what I think is very important is to, you know, like, like we mentioned Scum and Villainy earlier, you mm -hmm. walk into there, you walked into the Mos Eisley Cantina. It's, it's awesome. Um, but they also adapt it and do special events and things like that. And I love that. Um, and, and JC is a total kindred spirit. Um, and, uh, and so you know, that's, that's the kind of thing that I love, but that also presents challenges. Um, how do we, uh, how do we kind of up our ourselves each time and do something maybe bigger and better or just different, not do the same event over and over again? Um, and, uh, how do we, um, what are the different pieces that are going to make someone feel like they stepped into the world we're trying to create for them? Um, so there's a lot of challenge there too. Do you and JC, because I've, I've been to Scum and Villainy, Gordon Tarpley, Mike Senna, a lot of guys that bounce around in that community. I've worked yep. with those guys on fan films as well. Uh, do you and JC- I worked with uh, Gordon on uh, um, uh, Han Solo, a smuggler's trade with uh, Jamie Costa. Oh, nice, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Brought Jamie his, uh, his red, red 3PO. That's cool. Very cool. Uh, yeah. Do you and JC work together? Like, do you guys kind of collab on things? Or like, hey, let's come up with a theme for this. Because I know they do like Game of Thrones nights. They do Star Wars nights. They do all that. Well, to that end, um, the uh, it was my design team that did uh, the Game of Thrones overlay for Scum and Villainy. The mm. um, uh, uh, Damn Good Shindig is a group I started working with um, uh, in 2016 or so. Um, I guess I met them in 2016. In 2017, I brought them into Stanley's 95th birthday party. Uh, so they helped create some uh, some really cool uh, immersive decor for that, um, which was at Stark Mansion, by the way. It was pretty cool. Um, nice. The actual house that was mapped for Tony's uh, quote-unquote Malibu mansion, which is not actually in Malibu. Uh, it's in the Hollywood Hills, but um, it's the uh, the Ellisons own it, and it's uh, the Electric Court house. 
Um, and so it's, it's right over Hollywood. It's on a cliff facing. It's really cool. Um, and so they did some really neat stuff there. And I was doing uh, my own Comic-Con parties with um, Dante Basco, who is uh, Rufio and Hook. Yeah. Um, and they I came down. They like, he's really a great guy. If you get a chance to sit down and rap with him, he's really, really awesome. Um, do you know uh, uh, Shadrach Anderson? No, I do not. Shadrach is good friends with Dante and I worked with them years ago on a film and Dante showed up to set a few times. Yeah. Just echoing everything you're saying too. Just, just awesome guy. Really, he's, really he's nice dude, man. So, so cool. Uh, he's a fanboy too. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's, he's really neat. Um, and so we were doing those parties and, and, uh, damn good shindig and, um, uh, Nerdbot were like, you know, Hey, we would love to kind of get in on that. And, um, so I was kind of looking the fun the next year I was looking for, uh, cause that was the same week dance party was comic-con week. Jeez. That was, that was a rough week with no sleep. Um, and I was looking for like a way that we could do something together and, and an opportunity fell in my lap with a venue that I'd been chasing for like two years. Um, and, uh, and so I said, Hey guys, I've got this opportunity. We could all work together, do this thing. Um, and, uh, it's, it's minimal risk, uh, you know, pretty good reward. Let's, let's give it a shot. So, um, everything was awesome. We did the first ready party one, um, huge, huge success. And, uh, and now, um, experience level entertainment was born and, uh, and now we, we do all that stuff together. And then, um, JC was talking about wanting to do Game of Thrones and I was like, I, I got the girls you need. I got the girls you need right here. And they did a phenomenal job with that, that design. Very cool, man. Very cool. That's awesome. Yeah, you two have a lot of people in common, which is why I was very excited for you two to like connect and meet and stuff like that. So that's awesome. Uh, so when you're talking about doing parties at Comic-Cons and stuff like that, can you name drop some of the parties that you've thrown at Comic-Con for those that are like, oh, I was at San Diego Comic-Con. What party is he talking about? Sure. So I started off doing shows at uh, Basement, which is um, uh, it's up by the mall um, where Conan does his stuff. Um, and uh, we did um, uh, Bangarang was a party I did with Dante. Um, nice. And then we also did uh, uh, a second party with Dante the next year, Throwback and Dance. And then Ready Party One, Awesome Mixer Volume 2, and... Uh, uh, the upside down were the parties that we threw last year. So if you party at flux nightclub, uh, those are our shows. So we take over flux all week. Um, we do Wednesday, Thursday and Friday night parties. That's the funny thing is, um, that opportunity that fell into my lap with, uh, the other groups was, uh, flux. Um, I'd been wanting to get flux on Thursday. I feel like Thursday is like the best night, I think, um, because Friday and Saturday there's a lot of the big corporate events and things like that. Um, even though we've seen kind of a recession of the larger entities, um, you know, no HBO party and no, uh, EW party and stuff. Um, <clears throat> I felt like Thursday was the, the most successful night, uh, to jump into that game. So I was always looking for Thursday and that's the, the shows Dante and I did. Flux came back to me and said, well, what about a Wednesday night? And I'm like, there are no Wednesday night Comic-Con parties. Nobody does that. And I started thinking about it and I'm like, why does nobody do that? Oh, because all of the studios want talent there and press there. And those people don't arrive until Thursday morning because uh, they're not going to pay an extra hotel night. They're just going to drive them all from LA you know, on, on Thursday and Friday morning, which is why they do Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday events. And really Friday, Saturday are those, those bigger ones. Um, and I'm like, but there's a preview night with like 50,000 people and I only need a thousand people to sell out the nightclub. So of course there's people to do a Wednesday one and no one else does it. If you're only game in town, people are going to come play. Um, so we innovated the, the Wednesday night kickoff party. Um, nice. 
And I said to everyone, I said, look, so people are not conditioned to do this. We're going to do something nobody's ever done. Um, but it's a kick-ass venue. And uh, this is the theme I was kind of thinking of. And, um, and they're like, yeah, let's do it. So um, Ready Party One just... It's such a great catch-all because Ready Player One is so inclusive of everything. You, if, if you're in the Oasis and we wanted to recreate the Oasis, you can be any avatar you want to be. So whoever you wanted to dress up as, you could do that. And, um, you know, and, and there's references to everything. Um, and it's awesome. And then, you know, it's the first party of the week. So Ready Party One. I like it, man. As a uh, frequenter of Comic-Con for about seven or eight years now, I mean, I don't go as far back as some, but... I think Wednesday is preview night has always been that night of like kind of, well, what is going on? You know, the floor is only open for a few hours, but I think what you are explaining is uh, I'm going to kind of steal this from feel the dreams. If you build it, they will come. So if you are the one, if you are the one who's, you know, offering a venue and a party and an experience, why wouldn't people show up early? They're already showing up for Wednesday or they're coming in Wednesday afternoon. So I think it's great. No, it's, it's, it's awesome. And, And now it's like, that week just, it, you know, it, as that event grew, it just kept extending like, oh, well, everyone showed up this night to go this day. And, and now it just started, you know, it's, it's moving back. And that's how those big cons become four day events. Mm-hmm. What Some did you think? Five about day the events. Uh, yeah. Did, did, did you, uh, did you take any, uh, anything to heart with the rumor that Comic-Con was actually experimenting or thinking about pushing it to two total weekends, having like comics and media be one weekend and then television and film be another weekend? Like that'd be a long con. That would be, ah, man, like there's the part of me that loves guys. When, when I was in high school, none of this stuff existed. Like I said, even star Wars, which is the biggest franchise in the world. uh, Star Wars was, you know, we were, we were 15 years from the last film and, you know, it was just kind of us geeks in the corner. And today, like (laughs) they're such behemoths. It's amazing. So I just, I love, I love the the fact that they can even consider doing a week long convention and know that over a hundred thousand people will be there every day. Like people will, will change their, their entire annual work schedule around so that their one week or two, one of their two weeks of vacation is that week. It's, it's crazy. So on the one hand, I'm just so, and, and this kind of will, if we talk about like the different films and, and how people feel about the star Wars films, like, we will. Even when they're not awesome, like I, I'm happy we have them. I remember the drought. I was there. I'm just happy to have so much variety in my content. You know, when when God bless John Wesley Ship, but that Flash show was not amazing when I look back at it. But I loved it then because it was the only Flash I got. Right. It's true. You know, I loved. Uh, I have a DVD of that cruddy old like i want to say it's like 1981 or two captain america he's got the motorcycle and the transparent shield you know Dude. um it's so bad you know dolph lundgren punisher is so bad but we had them and i loved them for that and now i have multiple options to to take in all of my different fandoms and there's there's so much my dvr is like backed up on all the cw shows i can't like catch up because there's just too much to absorb. Right. And, and, you know, um, so it's amazing to think about a week long comic con, but oh God, <laughs> it's all yeah. so overwhelming. Yeah. Bernie, I gotta tell you, it's like as somebody that works as press for comic con, I love San Diego comic con, but I don't even know Jason cause Jason hung out with me briefly, uh, in the den of geek lounge. 
And I, I don't know if Jason saw how I was like mentally exhausted and it was only like day two or day three I saw him because <laughs> it was just so much content I had to cover all day long, all day. Yeah. So it's like, I, I mean, it's too. great. <laughs> what? The all drop? Day I, all day long. All day. All day. No, uh, it, yeah. Even if you don't catch con crud, don't you like, like on by, by midday Sunday, you're done. Right. Like, oh, yeah. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like I, I, you know, I remember the first time I was like, I don't want it to end. And they start making the 4 PM announcement, like one hour until close. Like, and I'm like, no, no, oh, he no, just... can. And I'm like, is it, is it, we can just go. I don't need, like, I don't need to finish like Sunday. What? You know, <laughs> True. it's, it's, yeah. it's an effort, man. Like, and last year, because we did the, the, this, the, that was the first year we did three nights of party that, which is insane. And we were, we were going to do a fourth night this year, um, with a really big, uh, hip hop star. And we were going to, we were looking at another venue for Saturday, um, until the, the, you know, uh, cancellations. But, um, uh, that I only spent five hours on the floor all week at the actual comic-con. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of just work, work, which I, I imagine uh, you guys running around for Den of Geeks doing interviews. Like, you know, I don't know where, where that, that lounge is in one of the hotels. Yeah. It's in one yeah. of the hotels. So you guys are not even actually on the floor very much either. You're like, or you have our, our blocks or whatever where you can go off, but you got to come back for your time stuff. Well, because San Diego Comic-Con is so widespread and it's just spread out and most of the talent is not in the main arena and the main floor, like they're right. in the hotels, they're in the different surrounding hotels or they're in a pop-up station. Most of where they want to send me is the hotels and the pop-up stations. I like the pop-up stations because it's more interactive and we get some good Instagram stories out of it. But that's also just means I'm running from... If I'm not in the Den of Geek Lounge, which is what they're trying to get more and more talent to just come to the lounge because it's just easier on us to just kind of hang out in one spot. But I'm usually the, the man on street or woman on street, if you will. I'm usually the one that's like, go, there's a pop-up station of The Walking Dead. There's zombies. Document all of that. And an Instagram story. And then run back and do this interview with Giddy Jartakovsky, you know, and I'm like, Sure, fine, great. And then a lot of things come in last minute too as press. They're like, oh, we got this. We, we've got this interview at, with the Orville press room. Uh, can you do it in like three hours? I'm like, cool, I didn't watch the last season. And they're like, yeah, but you know, Wikipedia, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Bernie, you talked a little bit about, uh, obviously you, you came out again, like Han, shooting first, talked about Lan uh, Last Jedi. What do you think of the fan base just in your time as being an MC, a host, a fan with toxicity within the fan base? I mean, this is something that is, I believe, over the last, uh, ever since Disney kind of got the reins of things with Force Awakens, we've kind of had this schism and this shift of now people are kind of dividing themselves of like, well, I'm a canon guy, I'm an expanding universe guy, I'm a sequel trilogy guy or gal. Uh, it seems like there's a lot of division. You know, what do you think of the fan base out there? Man, okay, so... Um... I'll tell you, at some point, you should have um, uh, Ashley Olsen as a guest. She's a, a psychologist and a huge Star Wars fan. Um, her and her boyfriend, okay. or her and her fiance Brian, have a uh, a blog where basically they they dress up in a lot of fandom, but really they basically live on Batu. Um, but <laughs> okay. um, uh, they would. He actually has done uh, art for uh, the Marvel films, maybe Star Wars. Uh, they would both be great guests, and and she could probably break it down better than me, but. Um, Man, that toxicity has been around for ever. If 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 you were um, 
aware enough to take a look at it. And I didn't realize that until really kind of, I feel like 2016 was a huge year for social consciousness. That was the Me Too year. And I feel like even though Me Too was the movement, I think it started to make everyone look at everything with a different you know, set of lenses and maybe have more empathy and, and compassion towards people's struggles. And um, I think that when you start re-examining things um, with the right lens, or at least not the totally wrong lens, um, you know, and start to kind of wake up from uh, ignorance, I think you can look back and see that, that there's been issues for a long time um, they just, uh, they weren't put on a bigger, big enough stage cause we didn't have, you know, the various, uh, internet groups and blogs and, you know, locations for everybody. Um, and I also think that, you know, yes, they're, they're okay. It, you mentioned that it, it kind of, you feel like it started when Disney took it over. But if you think back to 1999, uh, Oh yeah. I was about to say the prequels. I would tell you that, that the underlying problem, and I'm, I'm not a doctor, nor do I portray one on the internet, but, um, people do not like change and mm. they uh they begin to i don't know what the right word is but but they start to treat whatever they had as as word of god for anybody that's that's faith based um it's it's like it, they okay star wars fans and the original trilogy is a lot like um uh real hardcore uh I don't even want to say Christians. There's a lot of great Christians, but Catholics are like super extreme. Um, I went to Catholic mm -hmm. school for 12 years, so I'm still recovering from that. Um, <laughs> but um, they're like, like, you know, direct interpretation, word of God kind of stuff. And that's how Star Wars fans are about the original trilogy. Um, and, you know, even, even they kind of like incorporated a little bit, some of the books, but as soon as, as soon as George started doing something that was not exactly like it used to be, they started not liking it, right? Mm -hmm. just, I don't even think it was for any of the flaws that you may say existed there. Look, I've, I never bought chemistry between uh, Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman, despite Natalie Portman being a stellar actress. Um, you know, and and um, I think George just can't really direct people very well, to be honest with you. Um, I think he's a brilliant, like, kind of mind tactically and, and vision, um, but get, get off the day-to-day. -day. Um, but that, that is a flaw that exists, sure. And Jar Jar can be irritating, sure. But he's for the kids. He's not there for us. He's there for the kids, and the kids love him. Um, mm -hmm. And the way people treated uh, Ahmed Best is deplorable, right? Mm -hmm. That guy was on the verge of suicide at one point. Um, and we chased off uh, Kelly Tran from, from Twitter and Instagram. That was a bunch of garbage. Um, so you can see that it's, it started there at a point of change. Like, we're excited. Star Wars is coming back, but it's not the same. Because why would it be the same 20 years later? Why? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, stuff evolved. Star Trek fans did the same thing with Discovery. Um, which I think is actually the best Trek so far. It's, it's phenomenal. Um, but they, they don't like that the, 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 it's the oldest show in the timeline, but technologically it looks so much more advanced than original series. And it's like, well, yeah, we're making stuff with 2017 special effects and not popsicle sticks and models, you know, like right. kid bashing. <laughs> they just, they can't, they can't get past that stuff and, and they want to live in the past. People like to live in the past a lot. Um, and, and, and it's really people that are kind of afraid of the unknown um, and the future is the unknown. And that's why you got a lot of people that 
do the same thing over and over again and they never reinvent themselves and they just like stay in a rut for long periods of time. So I think that toxicity already always existed. We just didn't have big enough forms to, to talk about it. And also, um, you know, I think maybe it, uh, uh, with a lot of, um, ignorance towards, uh, women and, um, you know, they, we didn't realize that, that a lot of women love Star Wars, um, because we didn't think they should. And that was always terrible. Um, and you know, when you look back on it, Princess Leia is like one of the first, you know, mainstream, big screen, badass female heroes, right? Like I, I'm sure there's, a little earlier than that, but to have, to have her like not taking any of Han's lip and, you know, telling everyone, no, this is exactly what the hell we're going to do. All right. Like, and, and, you know, she is leading the rebellion that didn't happen in the seventies that you didn't see that anywhere else. Really? I'm, I'm again, I'm positive. Someone on the internet's going to say, Oh, but what about this person? And I get it. I get it guys. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, she is one of one of the the great kind of feminist icons. Um, oh yeah, I agree. And, and we should have realized that, like in I don't know the eighties, um, but uh, but we didn't. And so we kind of like kept women out of the fandom and would question, "Oh, are you really a Star Wars fan?" And like go through some stupid, uh, you know, qualifications list. Oh, how many turbo laser batteries are there on an Imperial class Death Star or Star Destroyer? You know, like just stupid ass stuff. Um, and, and so I think that, like I said, that, that toxicity was rooted way deeper. We just, we didn't understand things. Um, I do mm. think it's exacerbated, um, by, uh, I think the, the prequels started was the first schism. Like I, I remember being so excited for that. I went to see, um, what was it? Meet Joe Black had, uh, the first teaser trailer for Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. And I, I paid to, to go to the movies to meet Joe Black uh, and I stayed for the trailer and I walked out of the theater. Like, yeah. like that's, yes. that's how excited I was that we, we had new star Wars. I, um, I was part of the line at the, um, uh, the village in Westwood, um, the one with the big Fox tower. And, uh, uh, I was working at Hollywood video at the time, which was great because I'd go on shift. Uh, and then like, you know, people, all star Wars fans would come in and stuff and hang out. And then after the shift, I would go do my, my time in the line and sleep in an inflatable Darth Maul chair. Um, you know, it was, it was that kind of passion. And I saw the film the first time I was like, great. Duel of the fates was amazing. Like we had all this stuff like, eh, you know, and maybe the, the kid wasn't the best actor. Um, but you know, whatever he's, he's like eight, who cares? Um, and, and I'm just like, oh, that's great. And it wasn't until years later, I go back and go, it was okay. <laughs> it was okay. You know? okay. Yeah, it was all right. Um, you know, but I think, um, I think that was different. Um, and I think that, that people couldn't, you know, couldn't wrap their heads around that. Um, you know, and, and, and then I, I just think anytime there's something new, right. And, and, and Disney buys it and all of a sudden we get a new trilogy and great, but we can't even accept that because if we're being honest, the force awakens is an echo of a new hope and, mm-hmm. you know, has it's a different story but it's the same story um and and i think that that was a very smart play because of how toxic star wars fans can be um and and that was like the the split the middle ground um and so i think that that was a a smart move and i i had fun with it um you know 
Uh, and it set up these great new characters. I think that the one that failed the most actually is Rise of Skywalker, simply in that um, uh, you really lose, uh, you totally lose Finn um, and, and you lose kind of Poe a little bit and it's really just a, a Ray and Kylo story. Um, yeah. So I think, and, 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 and I, I still liked it, um, but, uh, you know, everyone's just so reactionary. Everyone wants to have the hot take and, oh, it's garbage, let me tell you why. You know, all that. I, I just think that in and of itself is an underlying toxic behavior. Um, and it's always been, it's always been around, um, which saddens me because I love Star Wars. I love talking Star Wars with people and it, it can and has and does bring people together. You know, Scum and Villainy's existence in Hollywood uh, has, I've made, you know, dozens of, of new friends over the last three years uh, that I never made going to celebration every year. Um, just because, you know, it's it's a smaller local place. It's our Cheers bar now. And if I don't have anything to do, I'll just go there and I'll have friends there. And it's great. Um, and, and you know, so Star Wars does bring people together and, and all over the country that happens. Um, but it's, you know, people are, part of that problem is people feel like um, the work is theirs. You know, it's the sense of ownership. Mm. Potter fans get this way uh, really badly too. Um, oh yeah, they do. And it's like you know, it's it's my stories. No, it's it's George Lucas's stories, guys. Um, and now it's Disney stories. And whether or not you like that, they're not your stories. It's not your Star Wars universe. It is the Star Wars universe. Get over yourself. Um, but it's this uh, overcompensating sense of ownership. Mm. I, I agree well with that. Well said, Bernie. I mean, I, I just want to throw something in. There was an article in the Hollywood Reporter back when they were doing the second rebooting of Spider-Man. Amy Pascal at the time was running Sony, and they were talking about just basically it wasn't that long after the Sam Raimi, you know, three films with Tobey Maguire mm -hmm. and all that. And Pascal came out and said very bluntly, because, you know, these fans of the previous three films, whether you like the third Spider-Man or not, they kind of held on to it like you know the original trilogy they they liked it they loved it it was like this is you know great great uh cinematic experience for Spi uh, spider-man and people were saying why are we doing another spider-man why are we doing this It's ridiculous why are we rebooting it who why do we have another actor playing him and pascal just said very bluntly she said we're not interested in appeasing the old fans we're interested in creating new ones and that right there to me i think was one of the first kind of eye-opening experiences from an executive's point of view of they're looking at this like show business. Yes, fans mm -hmm. can take a ton of ownership. They can buy the toys, they can buy the posters, they can banter and play card games and collect action figures. But there is also a part of this that is business and so business related that they are trying mm -hmm. to not only expand the market, they're trying to capitalize on other things. So, you know, it's, um, there's a lot of layers. There's a lot of layers to it, man. There, there really is. And I, I think it's, um, I, I, you know, I just I think that that Amy Pascal was right with that assessment because old Star Wars fans are still going to consume uh, content and and purchase products and and you know take it all in regardless. The old fans mm -hmm. like the old stuff. Maybe what they buy is more of the old stuff, um, but they're always going to take a chance with it. Every person that ever said uh, all the the TLJ haters that said I'm not going to watch Rise of Skywalker. Every one of those fuckers watched Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> Yeah, true. <laughs> Even if it was just to perpetuate their their irrational hate, like they still watched it. Um, yeah. And so whether it was a download, uh, you know, a stream, whatever, they gave some pennies to Disney. Like, 
so, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's really an exercise in futility to hate, like just, you know, enjoy and, and take a look at the different slices. The only, you want to know the most offensive thing to me, and I understand it. I totally understand it. Um, but the most offensive thing to me in the history of Star Wars was the decanonization of the novels. Um, mm. and, and I will tell you that is a completely selfish and, um, personal perspective because I invested so much time into reading damn near a hundred freaking books. Um, right. you know, and I love some of those stories. Some of them were just like, whatever, we don't have a new star Wars book this year. Let's give the, give them something to read and we'll sell a hundred thousand books. Like I get it. <laughs> like I didn't need the crystal star, you know, I didn't need dark saber. Um, I was just going to say dark saber. That's so funny. Even though dark saber basically was rise of Skywalker. I mean, yeah. you yeah, know, it was. They, they totally it was. took that. Um, but you know, some of the, I did totally didn't, if Callista was a terribly thought out character. Um, but anyway, uh, you know, I, I could have done without those, but at a, at a time when I didn't have, you know, a, channels, many, cha not just one, we have many channels that are just for us. Like, yeah. there, you know, like there's so many, there's a sci-fi channel. Uh, Bravo plays a lot of stuff. We love Uh logo plays a lot of stuff. We love. Like, you know, like those things exist. I don't have to go looking for, for our slice, right? It's, it's amazing. But back then, we didn't have that. I had the one book a year and I'm like, oh, great. There's another one coming out, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I invested so much time and I hated that they decanonized that. I thought there were a lot of great things. And sure, they've brought them in. You know, they, they uh, brought Thrawn back and Rebels. Uh, he's one of the best characters ever. Everyone's right on about that. Um, actually, you can't see it, but above my left, there's a little Thrawn diorama thing. Um, nice. But didn't they also uh, canonize uh, Darth Bane too uh, through Clone Wars. Then wasn't there an apparition? Of there, some yes, kind? The, yes. Yeah. Um, and and it, you know, Ben Solo, Kylo Ren is Jason Solo. Yep. Like he's yep. he's basically just a different name. And there you go. Um, and, and actually, uh, Luke's son uh, had Luke had a Ben Skywalker before the books yeah. ran out. Um, but you dropped uh, uh, Cade Skywalker earlier, Bernie. And I mean, I love the star Wars legacy comics, man. Those were fun. The, dude, I think and that's like generations what, down. what I want to see next. Like I do like that. They're going to go away from the Skywalker saga for a bit, but eventually I would like to, to go back to it. Um, you know, yes. after some time off, like they, look, they've, they, we're going to have these until we all die. So, yep. you know, I, I would love to see different adventures. That's what I think is great about the Mandalorian is, is that we're, we're getting, adventures that are very clearly in the world and and in in the the era of the most love i guess um but not related to any characters that we're familiar with yet um i know there's a lot of great stuff coming in season two i'm so excited i know right um but i think that that's i want more of that like give me what what else was happening while while the big war was was going on right mm -hmm. um you know and and more of that for a while but I would love to get back to legacy. I thought that um, uh, the last handful of books were really, really interesting um, with uh, uh, Fate of the Jedi and Legacy of the Force. And mm -hmm. uh, those book series went to very interesting directions. You've got a lot of conflict. You do have uh, the rise of another Darth, uh, Dark Lord um, in uh, Darth Cadus. Um, and, uh, you know, I think, I think, God, the... I mean, they're not going to go back and, and make the solo twins, but geez, the, you know, Jaina training on Mandalore to fight Jason cool. and, cool. and their battle. And she's got to, she decapitates her brother is like intense, it's man. Wild. It's intense. That's wild. 
um the 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 vong war when we lost uh anakin solo that mm-hmm. was i couldn't i mean dude they weren't fucking around the first book they killed chewy yeah. like they, yeah. they, they, they were they went okay you've enjoyed star wars to this point and it's kind of been formulaic and we're just gonna go boom yeah blow it all up um you know and, and, and the jedi don't have an advantage like the vong are invisible in the force that, that was a great art and, and that it was awesome they had the cortosis kind of armor too, so lightsabers couldn't really affect yep. them. I mean, uh, it was like Von, Von Dune crab armor, yeah, yeah, like yeah, that. just just very badass. It was this. It was something we just hadn't seen yet. You know, pretty bio, much the, uh, bi- the 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 biotech, the sh- living ships and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like they were these were awesome concepts. It reminded you know what? Um, uh, I, it was almost taken from the Moya in um, Farscape a little bit, the living ship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but no, it was, that was what, like a 21 book series or whatever we strapped in for like three years of novels. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was super fun and it's such a huge event and I, I would love to see them. That's what I would, that's what I want. You want to know what I freaking want is, um, we're, we're as, as consumers, we're kind of conditioned now to timelines and alternate realities and stuff. That's not a, not a weird concept. Even to muggles, it's not a weird concept anymore. Um, you right. know, like, you know, the, say, say the, the Star Trek uh, Kelvin verse is its own little thing. It exists in a bubble over here and we had those movies and they were great. Um, I would love that. I would love the Star Wars legends um, to be put on screen in some capacity. I personally think that they would be best made into a series um, mm. and we recast the characters um, and, uh, and we get to see those adventures and it's, you know, it's kind of like Marvel's what if that they're about to do. Like, yeah. why wouldn't you just do Star Wars Legends and, and you know, give me uh, uh, the Thrawn trilogy or the Jedi Academy trilogy or something? Um, Would they be but, animated or live action? I want it to be live action, but I, okay. know, that, I know that it is uh, easier to do it in animated um, because people will be more accepting of different voices and, you know, recast characters and stuff. And, and it can live forever with animation. You have to deal with aging out actors. Um, from a business standpoint, so yeah, um, I I I would I want to see it live though. I like I said, I want to see that that Jason and Jane fight. I want to see Jason fighting the um, oh god, I forget his name, but the the Vong leader. Um, that oh. was an, you know he and Luke going at the the Vong leader was a pretty epic battle. Um, um, something with a K, there's a K in it anyway. Yeah, yeah, it was you know 15 years ago I read that. Um, <laughs> There's a lot of consonants and just a few vowels. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and maybe two apostrophes. Yeah. Um. You know, you, I mean, I don't know if you're, Bernie, are you watching the, um, the, the behind-the-scenes doc on The Mandalorian where they talk? I haven't like, watched that, even though I'm good friends with some folks that worked on it, but I'll get to it. Yeah, check it out. Great little clips. They're about 38 minutes long. Some of them are a little shorter, but they're talking about the technology of stagecraft that they've got now. And I mean, these LED walls, these massive LED walls on this thing called the volume, complete total wraparound uh, ceiling to floor. And I mean, what you're pitching now, even if they did something kind of like the What If series or like, let's just let's just call it the Star Wars Legends, if you will. Yeah you could to a certain degree and again obviously you know a little bit of suspension of disbelief with the production value you could do a show about thrawn maybe going through the imperial academy or how he comes up through the ranks or you could do something uh in the vein of a Cade skywalker story you know down the line um i mean the 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 opportunities are definitely there and i think the fan base would embrace it i really do uh, I think wouldn't, be- wouldn't uh, shadows of the empire be awesome oh dude yes yes Give me yes. some Dash Rendar, baby. 
Shizor going after Leia and yeah. pheromones, you know? Yep, yep. Yeah. Zizor would be a really cool uh, on-screen villain. Um, he's, he's you know, kind of multi-layered. I feel, didn't they, they hint at, they actually hint at Black Sun uh, at the end of Solo. Um, yeah. That, that, that was where um, uh, Dryden Voss came from. And, and um, I believe uh, in the, in the updated um, uh, versions that Lucas did, I believe they have the Outrider, Dash Rendar's ship flying off of one of the Tatooine bays. When you've got like another drop down moment where you're going in Docking Bay 94 and the Falcons come, I think the Outrider's taking off. Like it's, it's a speck over here, yeah. you know, in the frame. But um, it was cool. Kind of like the, the ghost's appearance in Rogue One. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, for the battle. I would love more of that. Don't you want to know? Like, I, I, I guess maybe that, that may or may not happen in Mandalorian at some point. But I mean, I want to know, um, I want to know what happened to the ghost crew. Like I'm, yeah. I'm assuming that they did not um, did not die in in uh, the end of Rogue One there. Well, at the end of Rise of Skywalker, we do have a quick cameo of the ghost when we have that sh- huge shot of the ships. Oh, that's right. So it drops in there. I mean, who's piloting it though? Is it right? Spain? Is it Hera? Is yeah. it Ezra? Like, where did the where are they at? What happened? You know. I mean, it'd be a real old, you know, Sabine or, uh, yeah, it would, yeah, yeah. Um, but I would love, I would love more adventures of them and I would love to see them, uh, live action. I really want everything live action if I can get it. Um, Mm. so that's, that's what I would love to see in star Wars future, but you know, and I think there's no reason why you couldn't just take the books and adapt them. Right. Like why not just cherry pick the best ones, right? Like, um, you know, I definitely think shadows, the empire think we can live without truce of Bakura. Um, (laughs) you know, But but give me give me shadows of the empire give me the Thrawn. everyone obviously we need the Thrawn trilogy that goes without saying Jedi uh, Academy trilogy, Jedi Academy trilogy. Um, I, you know what I love about that is that it goes into Exar Kun and the uh, kind of yes. the mythos of, of the beginnings of the Sith. Um, you know I do um, I do think that uh, um, I would do I would absolutely do the Vong War but I might consolidate it. Um, but I think a very uh, important piece of it is probably i guess could be a flashback over a series of flashbacks over an episode but uh ro- the bits and pieces of rogue planet was zenoma seacott like that's pretty important to the vongs the eventual conclusion of the vong storyline and you get anakin um and stuff like that so i i think i think you know i would take those i would take uh legacy of the force uh fate of the jedi um you know all that stuff um and i think i think wouldn't wouldn't the the rogue squadron books be fun Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. Very cool. That'd very be a cool. ton of fun. Um, and I think if they did that stuff as legends, that'd be great because the, the, you know, older Vanguard would love it. And even the new folks would go like just under the guise of, well, it could have this, you know, this is the way it could have gone. Um, mm-hmm. and I think they would enjoy the content and they're great stories. And a lot of them are just self-contained and you don't need them to connect to each other very much. Yeah. yeah well, man. there goes the question we were going to ask you like, Hey Bernie, what would you do with the future <laughs> of Star Wars? He just went right on in there. That's that's the answer. I mean, there's <laughs> you have these great stories, and and you know they've been read by a lot of people, but a ton of people are new Star Wars fans over the last ten years, and they you know they just came to it from uh, the re- relaunching, um, you know, and and so I think whether it was whether it was uh, people that came, you know, you got a lot of young audience through Clone Wars just because it's animated. Um, and, and a lot of new Star Wars fans that way. And then you got a bunch of new Star Wars fans with The Force Awakens um, and, uh, and so forth and so on. So I think, I think it'd be great 
I think they would, they don't know these stories. They're not too treaded and played out. I think it'd be fantastic. Haven't Pretty a lot cool. of them been uh, converted into comic books as well? Um, a couple of the bigger ones. So Shadows of the Empire was also done in graphic novel form um, and actually was a video game too. Oh, I feel like it was N N64, right? Mm -hmm. Or GameCube, mm -hmm. maybe? One of, one of those two. Um, but it was past uh, SNES and, and pre um, what we have now. Um, and, uh, and so I know there was, there was the, um, the video game version too. Um, and I think you also played, uh, you played as maybe Kyle Katarn in a video game. Oh yeah. Dark forces, dark forces. There we go. Yep. Um, yeah, I think, I think, um, yeah, I, I, video game. That's a, actually another great medium. Uh, the, the story mode on uh, battlefront was really great. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, and I got really into that. So I think that you can do, cause the cinematics and video games are so amazing now. Um, mm -hmm. whether it's uh, red, red dead is red dead redemption two is maybe the single best video game I've ever played. Um, Dude, love the first one. Love the, the, the storyline is unbelievable. <laughs> like I was so invested in those characters. Um, and there's, there's so many turns where I'm like, ah, ah, what? Like, <laughs> um, I would love to feel that in a star Wars game, you know? Yeah. That would be that'd be amazing. Um, you bring up games, and uh, did you like the Force Unleashed games, Bernie? Did you think that they yeah, were kind of? Yeah, I'm actually friends with Sam, who was uh, Vader's apprentice in that. Awesome. Um, uh, voice too in Clone Wars. Yes, he is. Um, uh, those were a lot of fun. I mean, they're you know button smash games, so you're just mm -hmm. like you know destroying everything. Um, but I thought that the idea of um, you know. We're, we're led to believe of, uh, if you just saw the original trilogy, there's no Jedi are gone, right? right. Like it's literally Obi-Wan, Yoda, Luke, Vader, and the Emperor. That's it. Those are the five guys in the whole galaxy that can tap into the force. Um, right. And, you know, I, I think that once you flesh it out with um, uh, the prequels and you're like, there were hundreds maybe thousands of jedi right and and the idea that there's only the two sith really you yeah. don't think in a whole galaxy of people with force powers that somebody isn't going to get a little bit emotional about something and go dark right <laughs> <Come> on, <laughs> right so the idea that there's more of them out there and that, that vader would identify uh, a force sensitive that had potential and start training like of course he would right mm -hmm. um so I think that the concept was, was uh, just, I was like, oh, what if Vader had an apprentice? And then I'm like, how does Vader not have an apprentice? <laughs> like, of course he does. Like, or is at least trying to and, and, and having the, the different um, uh, inquisitors and things like that that are, that are force sensitive. Um, I, think, uh, I, I think that's a really cool storyline. I thought Force Unleashed uh, was neat visually um, and it expanded my mind to, to that, um, that concept and, and, you know, who else is out there, which kind of full circle. Um, I want to know the kid with the broom in last Jedi. Like mm -hmm. when I want to see that kid become a Jedi, right? Like mm -hmm. he's, he's somebody Ray's got to find that kid and, and train him up, you know? Yeah. Um, come full circle. Yeah. I think, full I, think, circle. I think what I would like to see is, is that the universe uh, or at least the, the mythos of the force wielders is, is expanded. Um, you know, and that, that, uh, I also love the concept from, uh, um, 
the last two um, the last two legends uh, series where we discover that um, there's not just two Sith floating around at any given time uh, that there's actually an entire society of them on this far off planet um, mm-hmm. that have been living a religion right it's Sith is, is a religion um, and and that that you know they've they've intermingled with the the native species um, and there's there's all this intrigue there. Um, and, uh, at one point they were trying to invade, uh, the known galaxy, if you will. Um, but I think that would be a great, a great storyline. And maybe, maybe we're down the road and we've got, you know, Ray and Finn and broom kid and, you know, some other Jedi. (laughs) Broom kid. The broom kid. The broom kid. I, I love that. Um, just because Bernie, I want to circle back to what you do and you get to, you get to actually interview a lot of stars yourself. You've been able to interview a couple of the Star Wars. Uh, talents have you not i have uh recently sat down with uh ashley eckstein voice of ahsoka tano and grunberg who's snap wexley by the way if you haven't read the aftermath novel snaps a really cool character um and so is his robot um (laughs) all right um but uh but yeah sat down with them um and uh you know it was um ashley's awesome she's pretty awesome um and and just her kind of perspective on everything and um uh you know i i just i i appreciate her uh a lot of it right the the, the founding of her universe and and uh, the message that, that sent and, and she really revolutionized uh female fashion for nerds um, i agree and you know i i remember that that any of my women friends that happened to like star wars had to go to hot topic and buy a star wars, men's boxy star wars t-shirt and then like cut it up and do some magic with some shoelaces and cinch it and do some other stuff to make it cool um or like you know bedazzle it and like she's creating like the, i'm jealous they have you guys have better stuff than us like the, <laughs> it's kind of true the, the fashion of out of out of her universe and now other other uh, outlets that, that were inspired by the kind of the revolution that that created um, make some really, really awesome stuff. And like, like when, when women are doing uh, geek chic, if you will, um, yeah. and like, like kind of, if you were to go to, I don't know, like um, uh, yeah, more of a, more of a black tie event, but you could kind of geek it up a little bit. There's some awesome fandom stuff for women to wear. There is nothing cool for men to wear to that kind of a level. Like you got to get real creative with your color schemes and maybe a little little flare thing here and there, um, but um, but that really all comes from Ashley, um, and I think that her drive and uh, you know her uh, philosophy on um, on doing that and on on inspiring others and she's written a couple of really cool books, um, really about like inspiration and and you know don't let stuff stand in your way. Um, so I, that was really cool. That was um, one of my favorite interviews I've probably ever conducted. And, and I've gotten to work with some pretty cool people. Um, but just uh, she kind of like radiates an energy, you know, and you get that from certain people, not everybody. Um, and there was a definite um, there was a definite vibe that was really, really cool. Uh, so she was great. And she just, you know, some people. Um, they they you you can get the spectrum with stars and and their fandom characters right some people want to get as far the fuck away from it as possible like it's like oh my god i don't want to be pigeonholed as this guy or this girl um and and some people like just say yeah oh this was fun and i did the you know and they're just they're professional and so they uh um you know they dove into the character and they appreciated the character and they built the character and you know but but it's just one of of, of 
other characters that they do. Uh, Benedict right. Cumberbatch a little that way. Um, and then there's people that l- just love every second of it. Like, and, and, you know, they really are passionate about, um, about these characters. And she's one of those people. And that's, that's awesome because we love Ahsoka. Um, and Ahsoka was, you know, is, is the standout star of, of Clone Wars. Like, and it wasn't, yeah, I agree. she was a tertiary supporting character, but when you look at the totality of the Clone Wars, like, sure, we love Obi-Wan and, and it's a different, you know, it's the best version of Anakin for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, um, uh, you know, and that relationship too, the Obi Wan Anakin relationship, we finally get to see it. Yes, we get to feel it. Yes, absolutely. And 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 that stuff was fulfilling. But if you binge the Clone Wars, like not absorbing it over four years or whatever, five years, um, but if you if you binge it, you walk out going, freaking a man, Ahsoka is my favorite character of the whole franchise. Yeah, <laughs> like like she starts to vie in your top handful of characters. And if I wasn't so historically attached to Luke and Han, like I'd probably say Ahsoka is the best character period in Star Wars. Oh, that's heavy hitting right there. Yeah, I think, I mean, you make a great point, Bernie. And uh, just to kind of go back to something that you said earlier, and I I know you didn't kind of mention the prequels as a whole episodes one, two, and three, but you mentioned Phantom Menace and you Mm -hmm. said you initially saw it and you liked it, but then you saw it again. You're like, eh, it's okay. You know, when I watch the Clone Wars and when I've seen, you know, this season seven now culmination of everything, I don't know what it is, but when I kind of group that together, the Clone Wars with the prequels, Mm -hmm. I mean, they're, again, there's so much story in there. You know, obviously with the expanded universe and, you know, you got Splinter in the Mind's Eye, you got uh, Shadows of the Empire, you got little bits and pieces in between episodes four and five, five and six. There's so much story now between episodes one and three and just a little bit beyond. That prequel period, you know, it, it really starts to become rich with like so, so, so much. And like you just said, with Ahsoka, whenever people do talk about the prequels, I try to incorporate the Clone Wars as well. But then immediately there's like this shift of, well, no, that's different. Prequels are one thing. Clone Wars are, I'm like, dude, it's all, it's all part of it. It's all, it's all that time. hundred percent. And it's funny because the Clone Wars were referenced so many times before we actually got to see what the hell they were, that it's yeah. like, we had, we had to have that. It's so mm-hmm. essential. Um, and you know what that is, is there's still, um, I used to feel this way and I don't know what it is that changed it. Um, but, uh, there is, uh, and this is also part of why earlier I said, I want to see everything live action as much as possible. Adults have a hard time taking animation seriously. Um, and, and they're like, oh, it's cute. But like, you know, they can't for whatever reason. And, and I, you know, I don't, again, I'm not a, not a psychologist, but I feel like there's something, something, a stigma, uh, where that is a kid's thing and it's not as serious because it's an animated form. But when you watch it, the stories, the, the same, the, the arcs, the, um, the, the character growth, the relationships, the, the feelings, all of that stuff is every bit as real in animation um, as it is when you watch it in live action. But for whatever reason, I, I feel that, that adults have a harder time processing that the same way. And, uh, you know, that's, that's true for, for all types of animation, man. There's, there's just some, some really incredible storytelling, um, you know, with the twists and, and just tugging at heartstrings and all that. But a lot of people won't consume it because it's animation. And I think that Clone Wars may get lumped into that. Well, I think that's, I, I think thankfully that is changing. I think that is something that um, our generation, especially like the millennial generation that grew up with the, the 90s cartoons and stuff like that. Because if you look at Batman, the animated series, 
some of that's not for kids at all. Animaniacs, oh, definitely. That was a game changer. Yeah. And then you look at Animaniacs, which is just throwing in digs about the, you know, social climate, political climate, and they're making jokes about things in the past. Like that also like for it's family entertainment, but like there was something in there for the adults too. So I think uh, like the millennial generation um, is so much more accepting of like watching animation and viewing animation and Pixar, I think uh, is accredited for this too. Like you look at Pixar up is one of the few movies where you can have me crying in the first five minutes of the film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah. you're like, what is happening? I thought this was a kid's movie. But like Pixar has never been about kids, but it's animation. So going to the Clone Wars, like the Clone Wars, the animated series is the one that made me actually appreciate the prequels. Uh, if I had just watched the prequel films, I would not be as attached to it. And there, there was a lot of death in the animated series of the Clone oh, Wars as well. It, it has a, it, not only its gritty moments, but it certainly is the glue that ties all that together because there's such a, such a jump in time from Phantom Menace to Attack of the Clones. Um, mm -hmm. and, and you get some of, even though you don't get that time fleshed out, you learn bits and pieces about development and things like that. Obi-Wan and Anakin's relationship and Anakin's training and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, all that kind of stuff. You, you get some of those nuggets. Um, and then to, to, Again, the Clone Wars was is such a big event in the universe of Star Wars. Like if we're in in Star Wars, Clone Wars is is you know it's World War II basically for us. Mm -hmm. um, and 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 but we've only ever heard of it. Kind of, it's just this big thing that happened, and there's a lot of a lot of stuff going on. Like to see it actually. Um, uh, you know, fleshed out and to live through it and to see the different battles, to see the evolution of the clones and also to humanize the clones too was, oh, yeah, that was great. very important. And and I think you get some, some great characters um, with Rex and Cody and nines and all that. Um, uh, you know, I think um, uh, I, I, Clone Wars is so integral to Star Wars storytelling at this point. Um, and it's really cool to watch that side by side with Revenge of the Sith. Um, if you go and do it with that, with the last season, um, yeah, yeah, that was fun. really, really cool. Um, and if you insert, uh, revenge of the Sith before the last, I think it's the last two episodes or whatever is where, when it happened, um, that is a cool viewing experience, much like doing rogue one right into a new hope is now a yeah. really cool experience. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. I think another thing just to kind of go off animation guys is, in the 90s, at least when I was introduced to this, I started watching a lot more anime. In anime, some of the stuff that I was watching, Fist of the North Star, Ninja Scroll, GoGo 13, Wicked City, I mean, this stuff was pretty mature. You know, I, I mean, I'd seen Hanna-Barbera cartoons, you know, and I'd watched Transformers, G.I. Joe, Masters of the Universe. And now I'm watching this extremely beautiful artwork, but like the, the themes, the tones, the characters, the, their choices, their decisions, it was, a, it was a game changer for me when I watched it. I was now looking at this not just as animation, but as storytelling going, wow, this is a lot more intense. The more you think oh. about it, 90s, 90s animation uh, really was the, the at least in, in different areas, the start of, of animation doing uh, adult content simply in animated form. Uh, mm -hmm. That same era, you've got Akira and Ghost in the Shell and you know oh. uh, some other great, and then that's when uh, Batman animated series started popping up. Um, and I think that that was, that was a great turning point, but that said, I want, I want the masses to, uh, see these stories and accept. And I, I think mm -hmm. that if we can do it live action, I think that'd be way cool. Plus the effects, let's, oh. let's be honest, like 
I'm so excited. Like, I don't know what they're going to do with Ahsoka in season two of Mandalorian, but I got to see, I got to see a, a, you know, real live action wielding the dual lightsabers. Mm-hmm. You know, I got to see that fight. It's going to be cool. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. Bernie, we have to unfortunately wrap up, which means we're going to have to bring you back on because we could keep talking with you for hours. But before we go, I want to hear what's coming up next for you. Wow. Um, well, uh, okay. I guess the inf- when, when does this come out? I can drop news, I think. Um, when yeah, when are we going to put this out? A couple of weeks. Oh, great. Okay. Weeks. So then I can say this because uh, I think maybe today or tomorrow uh, or Monday. Um, so I will actually, one of the results of um, doing the, the virtual pop expo, um, my good buddy, uh, Dan Fogler has the uh, Dan Fogler 40 experience podcast. And uh, we are now going to take that into video form. Um, so nice. I, I am, I am producing along with uh, NerdBot um, the, the video portion of the Dan Fogler 4D experience, and I will be the co-host. Um, uh, we have a, you know, Dan and I have a, a great, uh, great relationship in our, our chemistry when we're, when we've been on stage together, or when we're doing stuff, uh, when we did that, that panel is just like, is really good. And, and we both kind of recognize that and we're like, yeah, it'd be cool. And, and, you know, I think, I think Dan is so like, he's so, uh, he's genius. He's, he's so freaking funny. Um, but you, if you're not seeing him, you're missing some core strength of, of his, his, uh, his comedy. Um, and when you see the way he does characters and like, you just, he's one of those people that, that physically kind of infects your, your, you know, uh, laughter button. Um, and you're just like, (laughs) that guy. Um, and so I thought it was a no brainer to bring him video. Uh, he asked me to co-host it with him and we will be kicking off, um, in what day is it? Uh, in like 10 days. Um, we'll be kicking off on the 20th uh, with our, our first guests will be uh, Cooper Andrews from Walking Dead and yep, Kevin, and Kevin Smith. Smith. Yep. So it's almost Cooper like Smith. I had Dan Fogler on this podcast and he told me this. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm super excited. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. I love working with Dan. So spending more time with him. Dan's great. Oh, that's um, awesome. And then uh, we're looking at some different virtual uh, stuff that we might do. Um, my team's also working on uh, a, a big um, kind of online. Uh, I don't even know how to describe it just yet. We haven't announced it, but it's this uh, big thing um, with a. Uh, we're going to tie in some uh, charities with pets and things like that. So how oh, nice that it there, but it's going to be a really cool. I think a lot of people are going to get into it and just put a lot of joy into the world. Um, so those are those are the next things, and we'll see if any conventions happen in the fourth quarter. I don't know. I know people are. Uh, we're we're in an interesting testing ground right now where uh, right. stuff's opening up and some people are mad about it and some people are celebrating it and uh, either way some somebody's gonna win and somebody's taking the L in the next few weeks. Don't know who it's gonna be, um, but it'll be telling. Um, and if you know if we don't see spikes in things and or we get any form of uh, treatment with this stuff, I think we're gonna see conventions in the fourth quarter, and I'm both nervous and excited about them. Um, so, you know, I, I got, I want to get back to normal, but I want it to be safe. So I, I, I want it all to happen, but I want it to happen the right way. So, um, we'll see, we'll see if that happens, then maybe we got some parties to talk about. Stay tuned. And, uh, in the meantime, have fun and be nice to your fellow fans. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And Bernie, where can people find you to keep up to date with everything that you're doing? Uh, you can find me on, uh, the various internets as, uh, at the geek Gatsby and at nerds like us, uh, nerds like us was my first, um, kind of, uh, production group, 
and not really a group. It was just me, but I liked the name because I wanted to find other nerds like me. Um, and, uh, and I do midnight movies under that, that flag in Hollywood. Um, and then, uh, geek Gatsby is kind of where you find more personal cosplay, uh, that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, check me out. Let's have some fun. Yeah, absolutely. Bernie, like I said, we are going to bring you back on. I'm really happy to hear about the 40 X experience. Dan is great. Um, and yeah, let's have you back on talk more star Wars in the future. Absolutely. We can, we can go to any, any corner of space and I'm ready to talk various corners of space. Love various it. corners of the space. Yes. Excellent. Until next time, guys, I'm Bevan. That's my co-pilot, Jason Tobias. This is the Rebel and the Rogue podcast. We out. Thanks, everyone, for joining us for the Rebel and the Rogue, a Star Wars podcast. And if you're a fan of this podcast, you may want to check out Electric Surge's other podcasts like The 430 Movie, every Friday in which a group of writers and producers curate fantasy theme weeks of classic movies, and Disco Nights, the ultimate Star Trek Discovery podcast available Sundays, and Glorious Trexperts, the only podcast for Star Trek fans with a life, and best movies never made. Monday nights featuring filmmakers talking about their favorite unmade projects. Mm-hmm. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts, and you can follow us at TK on Twitter or TK on Instagram. Also, a very special thanks to Bill Ritter and everyone here at Electric Surge Network, including producers Natalie Michelli and Synthony Hodge, and executive producers Dean Devlin and Mark A. Altman. So until next Thursday, may the Force be with you. And also with you. Always. Or at least for the next week. This is a production of the Electric Surge Network.